Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I'm not going to gossip, so you didn't hear this from me, but, uh, you know, our, our parks are closed down. And so a lot of our park staff, you know, they, they patrol around just to make sure that their people aren't in their contact sports and things. And uh, saw an individual working out in one of our downtown parks, and she went over to tell him that it was closed and it was Tom Brady. So, oh, my goodness. Well, there you go. Wow. He has been cited. He has been cited, not cited with the C. Cited with an S, the city of Tampa, making sure that they do not disturb the delicate genius of their new quarterback. He was not in trouble. He was just seen. Baloney, I say to that. Come on. If the guy's violating the stay-at-home order, he's violating the stay-at-home order. And if there's a consequence for it, there should be a consequence for it. If we're going to crack on Dak Prescott for doing it, we need to crack on Tom Brady too, Chris Sims. We didn't talk about it yesterday, but... We should have, and we're talking about it now. The stay-at-home orders are still in effect. There's a lot of pressure being placed by some in the population and some in political office on these stay-at-home orders that are keeping people safe. People need to comply with them, plain and simple. And if the law, if the order requires anyone who is blatantly breaking it by entering a park that has been closed to the public, and surely there are signs that indicate that, then they should be cited with a C, not cited with an S. It's that simple. Am I wrong? Well, no, no. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not. Now, I mean, like, I'm not going to say this is egregious as some of the things we saw from Dak Prescott because, I mean, everything we know is it was just him, right, by himself. It wasn't like he was congregating there with, you know, eight or ten people and doing a workout. But, you know, to your point, Mike, I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's Tom Brady. I wish uh, he would have had better judgment to know that, you know, he's a pretty noticeable guy. People know what his face looks like. You know, I don't, the sighting thing, you know, whether he gets a ticket or not, listen, it doesn't matter. He, the points across, 
He's been embarrassed it. publicly. Yeah, well, yeah, he can afford it. And he's getting ridiculed publicly a little for it, too, for, for breaking some of the stay-at-home orders. So I think that's enough of a price to pay. But, you know, again, it's this is the struggle athletes are going through right now. You're trying to find places to work out and do things. And, of course, it's just a different world out there right now. And this takes me back, Chris, to the – item that Tom Brady wrote or that someone wrote for him that was posted at the Players Tribune a couple of weeks ago where 2,600 words, something like that, lengthy, lengthy item that never mentions in any way, shape, or form the pandemic, the issues we're dealing with, how it may affect his preparation for his first season with the Buccaneers. He said he's preparing now for the season. In his mind, the season's already begun. And He's not going to be slowed down in any way by whatever requirements are in place to stay at home or to refrain from congregating. Now, again, no evidence he's done that yet, but he's going to get together with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Cameron Brait. And, oh, he's also going to get together, I believe, with Rob Gronkowski. Why? Because what a difference a day makes. My God, Rob Gronkowski who as of yesterday, it was just this vague possibility that was floating around in the ether. We had talked about it before the the very trusty and loyal canine, Leroy, the NFL insider owned by my internet son, PFT commenter, had gotten the ball rolling about Gronk to Tampa a few weeks back. It's happened. It's done. Just like that. Like yesterday afternoon, like what would normally take a week happened in like 15 minutes. Like like every like everybody was trying to one up each other the NFL reporters and the thing got pushed along from hey you know what there's a chance this possibly could happen at some point down the road to it's happened it's done it's over Rob Gronkowski is a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the Bucks give up a fourth round pick the Patriots send Gronkowski and a seventh round pick he was never going to play for the Patriots again this is found money for New England it's a great deal for both sides it's a win-win and Brady and Gronk together again yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. It just adds more excitement to this whole NFC South, the Tampa Bay, you know, everything that's going on there. Uh, it's it's a different look, and I'm excited about that. You know, and when I first saw it yesterday, the news, Mike, I didn't really believe it, you know, because two weeks ago, I sent you a fake Instagram post or tweet, whatever it was, where it said Gronk was going to Tampa Bay. My, aunt, my old Aunt Wendy, you know, loyal listener to the show, she sent it to me. She was duped, obviously. So I didn't know to, whether to believe it or not when I first heard it yesterday. But holy cow. I mean, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with this football team and Rod Gronkowski, hey, all the things that he'll be able to do on the field. Listen, he's not going to be a superstar, Hall of Famer, just dominate like he did four or five years ago. But I do think he's still got a lot of domination left in the tank I'll say that uh, let alone I think the factors of what he brings Mike you know just to the organization again to almost be a, a buffer or a, a hype man let's say for a lack of a better way to say it for Tom Brady within the organization you know when Brady wants to yell at an offensive lineman for not practicing well or whatever it may be you know Gronk will be able to be over hey this is what Tom does just relax he still loves you. He still got confidence in you. He's, you know, so that's going to be great. Let alone, it's another guy in the locker room to show that team what it takes to win football games. I'm just still trying to figure out whether or not you offended and insulted Aunt Wendy 
you said my old Aunt Wendy. Did you mean my trusty old Aunt Wendy, kind of like that, or like yes, old, well, like literally old? I, I mean, that, that, uh, that's I mean, not very nice of you to say about your Aunt Wendy. Hello, they, Aunt but Wendy. She just, she just, uh, she's there. She's listening. She just sent tech, uh, a text message with emoji with heart in the eye, so she wasn't offended. So don't you worry. I, 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 okay. I am on hashtag Team Aunt Wendy. Right, hello, She's on Aunt team Wendy. Mike Florio, so don't worry. Good. Well, Rob Gronkowski is on team Buccaneers. And when we talked about this at first, you know, the contrast between Bill Belichick, who who had a big hand in shoving Gronkowski into retirement because Gronkowski was done with Dr. Doom. He, he just wasn't having fun anymore. How many different times have we heard that over the course of the last year? And he's going to be dealing with the exact opposite of Bill Belichick in Tampa Bay, in Bruce Arians, who will be able to drink Gronk under the table if push comes to shove, who will be dropping more F-bombs than Gronk has ever heard in his life, and not in an angry way like Bill Belichick would do it, just kind of that casual, it just pops out of his mouth, kind of like with you, anytime you're not in front of a microphone, and sometimes when you are. And, uh, I, I, you know, I think he's, he's going to like that. We've said that. It's a breath of fresh air for Rob Gronkowski. All the reasons why he didn't want to play for New England anymore make him want to play for the Buccaneers. The combination of Arians and Tom Brady, the idea of getting the band back together again, it's exciting. And, and look, it's the kind of thing that, that should make us even more hopeful that there will be a football season in 2020 because now we must see how this laboratory experiment in Tampa Bay works out with Tom Brady joining as a free agent, Rob Gronkowski emerging from retirement, and who knows what else the Buccaneers have up their sleeves between now and whenever we would start a football season. Well, I mean, that's right. I mean, they, hey, listen, they got, you know, two picks in the top 46 picks in the draft there, so they're going to be able to, uh, you know, add some, some more talent to this football team. But, Mike, I think you hit it. You know, it, it, it's a re total refresh button from, from all angles. And, you know, yes, I could speak to whether me playing for Josh McDaniels on the Denver Broncos football team or working in New England. Uh, you know, we've had this conversation many times. You know, yeah, you, you've talked about it, Dr. Doom, whatever. It's always doomsday in New England. It's always like, oh, did we lose yesterday and we got to, like, focus extra hard? I mean, it's, it's a grind. You're not going to get a lot of pats on the butt. There's not going to be a lot of team camaraderie parties and things like that. There's not going to ever be like, hey, I'll cut off a few periods at the end of practice because I know you guys are tired. No, none of that's going to happen. And, that, you know, I think that wore Brady out. I think it wore Gronk out. You know, gosh, this is like the total opposite of New England, really. Uniforms are different. Weather's different. Coaches are different. Atmosphere and culture are different. But I think Brady and Gronk, will be able to infuse a little of that New England culture into Tampa Bay, which I think it needs. It needs a, just a little bit of a buttoning up, right, to me, at least on the outside looking in, to where they can bring that to this football team and make everybody a believer and you know make everybody be a little more detailed and thorough in how they practice and approach their job. Yeah, ultimately, Gronk could only take it for nine years with Belichick. Brady did it for 20, but either way, there is a shelf life on how long any one individual can tolerate that. And see, this is the first time we've seen that happen under the umbrella of the Patriot way because the way the Patriot way is set up, they're done with you before you're done with them. And now, with two of the greatest players that the franchise has ever seen, what happened was... 
the players were done with Belichick before Belichick was done with them. And now they're trying to recreate that magic somewhere else. And maybe there is a a balance that can be struck in Tampa where there is a degree of, of gravity, right? A little bit of doom, just a dash of doom. Not all the time, not every day. You have to know when to, to parse out the doom, but you balance it with Bruce Arians and, and his way and his style and his attitude. And it's, it's, I, I, it's, Hey, it, it feels like this is either going to work and they're going to the Super Bowl, or it's going to implode. Like, I don't know. Is there a middle ground? This isn't a nine and seven thing for me. This is either disaster or or it's all going to fall together and they are on their way to being the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their own stadium because that's where the Super Bowl is going to be this year in Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, I, I think I'm with you too. I mean – I look at it that way as well. I think I do. I don't see a middle ground. I think this is like six and ten, and maybe Brady got injured because he was forty three and had to miss a few games, and Gronk got beat up, and it's just you know he's knickknacked all throughout the year, limping and trying to deal with injuries and all these different personalities on the team, and it just kind of all funnels downhill. Or it's going to be like 11 and five or 12 and four. And we're fighting to win the NFC South and certainly in the playoffs. And I'm betting on the latter. I am, you know, I, I just think, you know, these, these are right pieces to add to a team that, you know, Mike, I, I know you and I, we had high hopes for this football team going into last year. We saw potential and thought they could be a pain in the butt for a lot of people. I mean, the offense is going to be out of this world this year. I expect it to be the defense, which was underwhelming last year has a lot of talent. You know, their big thing is their pass defense stunk last year. And we just got to get Todd Bowles to straighten out that department with some of those young, talented players they have. And maybe they get a few guys in the draft. And you just look at the Bucks and you go, where is there really weaknesses on the football team? You know, they need a right tackle and just improvements in the secondary. And that's the only thing you can really look at. You mentioned their pass defense. And I'm looking at that graphic of Rob Gronkowski. Hey, Todd Bowles. Do not use Gronk as the deep safety when you're clinging to a late lead. We saw how that works. It doesn't work. And here's the thing about Gronk. You know, we last year were monitoring very carefully whether or not he would emerge from retirement late in the season, a guy who could be added to the playoff run. And really, would the Buc- would the Patriots – I'm already I'm already in Buccaneer mode. Would the Patriots have been better off with Gronk down the stretch, a healthy and motivated Gronk who was rested and ready to go? Hell, yes, they would have been better off with him. But here's the thing. Because he has been so banged up, he's had so many surgeries, he's had concussions, and it was the concussion that he absorbed in the 2017 AFC Championship game against the Jaguars. Remember that? I think it was Barry, Barry Church. Church. Right. Church blew him up and knocked him out of the game. That was when his family started to push Gronk to walk away. And there was a big buzz in Minneapolis in the days leading up to Super Bowl 52 that Gronk was going to do a walk off into the sunset if the Patriots won. When they didn't win, that caused him to reconsider things. So he tabled it a year, walked off into the sunset after winning the Super Bowl in number 53. But, you know, there was a sense that the best way to use Gronk is sparingly and hope that he's healthy when the end of the season rolls around. Does that change now? Do you go wall-to-wall, pedal-to-metal with Gronk and just throw caution to the wind? Or, you know, or, or, or do you go easy with Gronk 
and 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 phase him in and really have him more involved when we get to the playoff push. That's going to be a strategic decision the Buccaneers have to make. They've got Cameron Brait. They still have O.J. Howard. And I posted yeah. an item before the show that O.J. Howard likely will be traded. I don't know. I'm starting to talk myself out of that. Maybe you keep Howard and Brait around and you'll work Gronk in and you get him to full speed when December rolls around, Chris? Well, I, I don't think they're going to be, like, in a tough spot if they do keep all three. Uh, I don't. You know, I think they certainly could pull it off. And, again, you know, something that Brady and Gronk will be able to bring to Tampa Bay is great knowledge of two tight end sets, right, and how to do that. I mean, you know, the New England Patriots invented that, really, in this century. And I don't want to say invented it, but they made it – they were the first team to make it a focal point of their offense. Two tight ends, two receivers, one back. So I'm sure that that excites, you know, Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and everything. And then, you know, Mike, I think to what you're saying with Gronk, you do ease him along, you know, early on. You do. You don't want him out there playing 70 snaps a game or 65 snaps a game. You know, I think you have a conscious effort in practice and in football, just the actual games themselves, to be on somewhat of a snap count. And then as the year goes on, you kind of gauge it and see how he feels. And I would expect that, you know, he might get Wednesdays off from practice and things like that. Hey, he's earned that right. I mean, this is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's the best tight end I've ever seen in my life. But I think the year off, Mike, and, you know, I know he was banged up, but I can speak to a year off after losing my spleen and doing that. When I came back, I wasn't 100%, but just my – my energy and my, oh my gosh, I, I'm so happy that I'm back out here and playing and in the environment and around my teammates, you know, just that adrenaline itself made me feel almost like I was 100%. And I think he's going to be able to feed off that for a long time too, let alone the atmosphere is going to be very refreshing to him. You know, think back to the beginning of the month when we last saw Gronk, he was jumping off of a platform onto a pile of wrestlers to win the WWE 24-7 belt, and we both noticed that Gronk is looking thicker, that he's looking bigger, that he's putting on the weight, and he is because he knew what was coming. I think the moment or, Tom Brady or, picked Tampa Bay, Gronk knew that this is what he was going to do. I'm sure it was in his brain. Or, you know, does this happen, Mike? You know, you start to work out and you start to move around and you go, damn, I feel good. I feel strong. Maybe I can't, you know, and then, you know, you're starting to have a little urge of, man, would it be cool to be play with Brady and Tampa and try something? I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he really wasn't thinking about it until he started working out and moving around and then started to realize, like, damn, if I can jump off the top ropes, then I can take a shot over the middle and do stuff like that. You know, I, I would be very interested for somebody to ask him that question and see, you know, how that timeline kind of went uh, within his brain and body. He did tell Jay Glazer, his colleague at Fox Sports, I've always said when I have that feeling and it feels right, I'll be ready to take the field again. And I have that feeling I'm ready. And it reminds me of something that Brett Favre said when he decided to keep playing. And it was something that he heard your dad say. That's right. Radio that I, I, you play until they tear the uniform off of you, because once your skills go away due to the passage of time and age, they're never coming back while you right. still have them, while you can still do what you can do. Keep doing it. And after right. a year off, Gronk is going to keep doing it. And it's it's we all win, uh, especially, especially the Buccaneers, but not the teams that play Tampa Bay. Let's take a break. Yesterday, 49ers GM John Lynch was on, on with Rich Eisen. 
And and he gave credence to something that we were saying a month or so ago that plenty of 49ers fans did not want to hear. Well, they're going to hear it again coming up because Lynch said it himself. We'll explain more when PFT Live continues right after. In the aftermath of Super Bowl 54, the 49ers have reiterated that Jimmy Garoppolo is their guy. The clearest statement came during the scouting combine. It was after the scouting combine that the rumors started to percolate of maybe the 49ers considering Tom Brady. Chris Sims reported that that indeed did occur, and a lot of people said that was hashtag fake news. Well, yesterday, GM John Lynch, on with Rich Eisen, addressed whether or not the 49ers considered Tom Brady. Here's what Lynch had to say. When you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time with Tom Brady, um, of course you're going to have some internal discussion. And then you hear rumors that, hey, he, you know, he, he'd like to come home, that kind of thing. Um, so, of course, Kyle and I have discussions. Um, you know, but the cool thing, Rich, that, that we shared with Jimmy um, is that you know, we forced ourselves. We're always in to get better. Um, and so you look at everything, especially a situation like that, but within a day or two, Kyle and I looked at each other and said, you know what? We really like what we have in Jimmy. We love everything that he brings, and we, we really believe it's a long-term answer. And so that's, that's, you know, I would tell you we're more convicted than ever about who our quarterback is in Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, there is much to unpack there, Christopher David Sims. And it begins with, did you notice, John Lynch, as he started down that path, he kind of stopped it like, you know, he knows he is tiptoeing into a minefield by being <laughs> candid with what they did. I'm serious here. Right. And, and right. when he says you hear rumors about him wanting to come home, well, who the hell were they hearing the rumors from? They're not surfing the web and reading PFT to see the rumors of Tom Brady wanting to come back to San Francisco. They're hearing it from Tom Brady's camp. It's not something that's just fallen out of the sky and they're like, hmm, maybe he wants to come home. You don't actively consider signing Tom Brady unless you have clear reason to believe he wants to join the 49ers. So, look, Lynch couldn't come out and and, and that's why he stopped and went like, oh, crap. But (laughs) he said enough, Chris. He said enough. He they considered for multiple days the prospect of signing Tom Brady. And it was nice they kept Jimmy Garoppolo in the loop about the possibility he was going to get traded back to New England, which is probably what would have happened. But it's clear now. And I appreciate it from John Lynch. You know, I respect that far more than I respect the Browns flat out saying, oh, we had no trade conversations with Odell Beckham Jr. Now, I know they have to do that because they can't afford to alienate Odell Beckham Jr. But, man, it's refreshing that John Lynch was willing to very, very gingerly tiptoe through that minefield and acknowledge to everyone that they did indeed consider Tom Brady. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think it's the thing that's refreshing about the 49ers. It's just a football team that, you know, seems real from the coach down, you know, the owner down. You know, yes, and, you know, my experience being around John Lynch, you know, whether it's with Kyle Shanahan or, you know, when I was a teammate of John Lynch in Tampa Bay, He's a very honest, real person and a good person at that. You know, he knows what it's like to be a player. He knows what it's like to be a player and get screwed over by the organization. 
So he doesn't want to like, you know, infuse that or, or do that to other guys. He does it. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan's the same way. They're just very real. They're in your face. They're going to tell you and tell you not to be mean or anything like that, but just to keep it real, to keep you informed, to let you know where they are as an organization. Yeah. And I think when he says the rumors and things like that, you know, I, I had a lot of people, Mike, as you know, connected to this situation on both camps, Brady and the 49ers. So I really like the 49ers didn't tell me, oh, it's down to, you know, New England or Tampa. No, I found that out from somebody, you know, associated with knowledge in the Brady camp, you know. So but but I think when they heard the back channel rumors, Mike, yes, it was people reaching out to them within the NFL rumorville, you know, the underground rumorville of basically saying, hey, Tom Brady, I think if he was to leave New England, would love to go to San Francisco and go back home. And the 49ers did the right thing by being honest. And then, of course, you know, digesting it and conversing about it to see whether it fits. Because, yes, when arguably the greatest quarterback of all time says he wants to come and play for you, you think about it. You definitely do. You'd be stupid just to swipe that under the rug and say, ah, nah, we don't need you. You know, that, that was – it was good. And I think they handled it the right way. And, and look – Regardless of how they heard the rumors about Tom Brady wanting to come home, at some point they get to a juncture where they understand it's real. It's real enough that they consider it and they tell Garoppolo about it. See, th there's nothing to tell Garoppolo about unless you are seriously considering exactly. it. Why do you want to upset point. your relationship with Garoppolo unless you're seriously considering it? There's all these Garoppolo truthers out there, Chris. The 49ers fans, either they wish secretly that they got Tom Brady or they blindly support Garoppolo and they're plugging their ears and saying, I'm not listening. It's like, folks, look. Even though they didn't ultimately pursue Tom Brady, they considered it. And do you really think the Chiefs considered Tom Brady when they've got Patrick Mahomes? Do you think the Packers considered Tom Brady when they've got Aaron Rodgers? Do you think the Seahawks considered Tom Brady when they've got Russell Wilson? Hell no, hell no, hell no. They know in their hearts that there is reason to at least ponder an upgrade. And they ultimately resolved it by not pursuing Brady, uh, Brady, which you know, may or may not have been an upgrade. Who knows? They decided it wouldn't be an upgrade, but they at least did it. Everything you said was accurate. And Lynch said it in a way that even though he didn't come out and say, hey, everything Chris Sims said was accurate, the pieces are there to put the puzzle together and come to the logical conclusion that they did engage in a serious consideration of pursuing and signing. They wouldn't even have to pursue him. He wanted to come. Signing, right. not even pursuing. The pursuit was over. The fish was in the boat. They had to just decide whether or not they were going to throw it back or put it in the cooler, period. Well, yeah, that's right. And, you know, I mean, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I know a lot of people in the 49ers organization. I really do. You know, forget Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. They got people on their coaching staff that I knew before they knew Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch. So I had no really inkling of it until I heard Deion Sanders say it. Okay, at the NFL Combine. And that perked my ears up because I went, where did the hell did Deion Sanders come out of that? You know, he's a very smart guy. Don't get me wrong. But I just don't think that's one of those things you just throw out into the microphone on national TV unless you've heard an inkling about it. And that's what got me to call around with a few people. And, yeah, ultimately I had heard from people uh, with knowledge on Brady's camp 
that Brady's first choice was the San Francisco 49ers. And then I started to dig and find out that it was very real and those type of things. So, hey, it's fascinating. I don't think you could fault the San Francisco 49ers. You know, it's it's the smart thing to do to be diligent there and think about a move like that. You know, forget all the financial ramifications that you always talk about, jersey sales, ticket sales, whatever it may be. You know, again, Brady still played a real good football last year. Is it like the greatest football we've ever seen? No, but it was still real good to where you think you can win a Super Bowl with him. And, uh, you know, I, I just like how Lynch, Shanahan approached the whole situation and did their due diligence and were honest about it and they moved on and I think they made the right decision ultimately. I, I'm not so sure that they did. I'm just glad that it came out yeah. the way that it did. Because, and, and you know what? Even though it came out the way that it did, there are still going to be people who refuse to acknowledge it. But there were so many people who said, well, they didn't sign Tom Brady, so they must have never considered it, which is an asinine take. There are plenty of things that teams consider doing that they never actually do. You cast a very broad net. You think about every scenario. And if it gets to the point where you tell Garoppolo you're doing it, it's real because there's real. no reason to screw up his head by pondering Tom Brady unless you're damn sure that you're going to get him if you simply say, yeah, we'll take Tom Brady. We'll take a break. When we return, someone over the course of the next few days is going to say, yeah, we'll take Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Nick Saban thinks it will be a mistake for anyone who says, no, we won't take Tua Tonga-Vailoa. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. What are you going to say when the general manager says, hey, Tua, you know, everything looks good, you look healthy, but three lower body injuries at Alabama, it's big boy league now. Mm -hmm. If you can't stay healthy there, you're not going to stay healthy yeah. here. What are you going to say when they start pushing you that way? Well, I wasn't bionic then. I'm bionic now. <laughs> I like it. Tua Tagovailoa back in January with us at the Super Bowl. My God, that was a long time ago. It feels like it was a hell of a lot longer ago than it was. Talking about the concerns about his health. Great kid, great attitude, bad circumstances. He's got a hip problem that people can't personally examine. The team doctors can't look at him. The team doctors who are accountable to the teams that would be burning the draft picks, Chris, they can't give the teams the up or down, go get him or stay away. And that has prompted many to believe that maybe Tua Tagovailoa is destined to plunge out of the top 10. Nick Saban, the head coach in Alabama who got the most out of Tagovailoa during his college career, told Andrew Beaton of the Wall Street Journal that anybody who passes on Tagovailoa is making a mistake. We failed Drew Brees on the physical, Saban says. That's why he's not Miami's quarterback. And basically anybody who doesn't take Tonga Vailoa is going to suffer the same fate the Dolphins have over the past 15 years by not having Drew Brees, but instead a revolving door of guys that they have just hoped would become a franchise quarterback. Your thoughts on what Saban had to say? Well, I mean, you know, again, that's like, you know, hashtag, what do you expect him to say a little bit? And, and, and I don't think he's like lying, but of course he's going to talk positively about a quarterback who won him a national championship you know, got him to another national championship. And certainly, you know, this past year, they were one of the best teams in college football once again. You know, as we've seen and we, we got to witness in person, you just, you referred to it. You know, it's a very charismatic, you know, got a good nature about him. Hey, he's, he's got all those things, you know, as far as what you want as a quarterback, a leader, you know, the ability to talk and communicate and, and just show charisma. All of that is awesome. 
You know, and I believe, you know, Nick Saban and what he's saying, but it doesn't change the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is we're talking about what, five or six surgeries? Mike, I know we both heard from people around the NFL that there's there's a there's a, a rumor out there that people think he needs another surgery on his ankle. He's not necessarily the biggest human being we've ever seen before, too. And it's not like he's Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson as far as running around and doing things like that. So, you know, again, hey, you know, Nick Saban, we may, maybe it is Drew Brees. Well, I don't know. But there's a lot more here to be concerned about uh, with Tua than there was with Drew Brees or it was just the shoulder. And we haven't seen Tua do it in the NFL yet, too. And there's a difference there as well. And here's the big difference between Drew Brees and Tua. Back in early 2006, when the Dolphins were deciding what to do at quarterback, their doctors had the opportunity to examine Drew Brees. They screwed it up. They came to a bad conclusion, but at least it was an informed conclusion that someone could put his or her name on the bottom line, too, and that person probably did not remain the Dolphins' position for a very long time after that. But at least you could come to your own conclusion with Tua You are flipping a coin. You are taking a chance. You are throwing a dart because you can't come to your own conclusion as to whether or not he's healthy. The Saints had a chance to examine Drew Brees, and they decided they're fine with the physical risk. Do you think the Saints would have signed Drew Brees, Chris, if if Tom Condon contacted Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis back in 2006 and said, Drew Brees would really like to play for the Saints. He'd like to be an integral part in the rebirth of the city following Katrina. We just have one request. You can't give him a physical before you sign him. What the hell would the Saints have said if that was how it was presented to them? Yes, you know, I'm with you. You're right. They would have gone, well, no, sorry. You know, we're going to have to go down another avenue and find another quarterback because we can't just, you know, throw a dart on the wall and hope, hey, I hope Drew Brees' shoulder is okay. You know, again, so, you know, there's just a lot of things at play here, let alone. And, you know, Mike, I've heard this, you know, I think there's a number of teams that have already failed him for his medical and they won't look at him in the first round. Now, the teams that need quarterbacks, they're not going to fail him on their medical. And there's going to be, you know, some due diligence and they're going to find a way to make themselves feel comfortable about the Tua situation because they have a quarterback need. And to me, this is one of the fascinating things of the draft in two days. What happens with Tua? You know, when he falls out of the top 10, which I fully expect him to, but once he gets the number 10, business is going to be open for Tua. And who is going to be that owner that just can't help it is going to be sitting there in the draft room going, look, look, he's there. All I've heard about is Tua, Tua, Tua for two years. He's the greatest thing since sliced bread. We got to get him. We got to get him. And I just feel like there's going to be an owner that's going to take that cheese and he'll go somewhere between 10 and 20 because of the of the player. And, of course, just the what do I want to say, Mike, the attention and the grandiosity around a guy like Tua and Alabama. And, you know, my case there. I mean, I think people give a little too much credit for Tua for the great machine that is Alabama. Um, But regardless, I think it's one of the the most intriguing things of this draft. And you know what? You gave me a thought there while you were talking about the market opening for Tua at number 10. Is it possible that a team 
now, 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 look, it's one thing to say we'd like to trade down. You have to find someone who wants to trade up. But what if you're a team in the top 10 that would be thinking about Tua if you had a chance to properly evaluate his hip and you're not comfortable rolling the dice with a top 10 pick, but you could slide back? We always think about teams yeah. jumping up to get a guy. Right. What about sliding back and getting a guy with a lower pick, a lesser investment, less of a risk, and you pick up something else to balance out that risk by virtue of the trade back? Well, I, I mean, I think that's real. I mean, yeah, the Chargers, right? They're a team that, you know, would they think about doing that? You know, I would say they have a greater need at offensive tackle right now than they do at the quarterback you know, uh, position. But, yeah, I hear you there, Mike. Would they trade down with somebody? You know, the Miami Dolphins, of course, with their three first-round picks, they'll be able to do whatever they want, trade up, trade down, whatever the hell they want to do. They're going to be able to do that if that's what they wanted to do. You know, but the big thing is to me, too, that's also fascinating in this draft, Mike, is who who is the great commodities that everybody's going to trade up into the top 10 to get? That's where I don't know right now. You know, yes, the offensive linemen, I think there's going to be a run of them in the top 10. You know, I think we could see those two defensive tackles, Kinlaw and Brown, have a little run in the top 10. But uh, that's, to me, the another fascinating part of this draft. Who, who are the people that people want to aggressively trade up and give assets to get? And I'm not sure those people exist in this draft. And that's what's a little different than maybe years past. Or if they do, it's a lot easier this year to keep it quiet. Remember, yes. three years ago, yes. we found out. We didn't find out at the time. But we found out after the fact how much the Chiefs and the Saints loved Patrick Mahomes. They managed to keep it quiet. It's easier to keep it quiet when there's no pro day workouts where scouts are gathered around and they're shooting the breeze. And maybe people that you shouldn't be trusting with information have information and they're running their mouths because they're trying to advance a relationship with someone with this other team in the event that they end up getting fired after the draft in the Atlantic spot. These are all real factors that result in information flowing between human beings with everyone on lockdown it's easier to keep it quiet so you know chris with limited information what you're going to have is specific teams owners gms coaches fall in love with a guy and there's no reason and there's no way that anyone's going to know they've fallen in love with that guy and i think that's when you potentially see a strike up to get a guy that no sure. one else is really thinking about because that team fell in love with him regardless of what the other 31 teams did or didn't do. I, I, I hear that. You know, I hear that. And that's where I think, like, you know, the kid from Auburn, Derek Brown, the defensive tackle, he could be that guy where people just look at him and go, oh, I think he's a new age Warren Sapp or something like that. We got to get our hands on him. You know, that, that, that could be that guy. You're right. There's a very, very real possibility. But, you know, that the Tua situation – Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, Mike, you know, the great athlete who plays all these different positions. You know, I did. I finished my mock draft yesterday. I've been dabbling and messing around with it for like four days prior to that. You know, and Tua and Isaiah Simmons to me are like two of these jokers in the top 10 where I just go, I don't know where they land, where they go. I'm not sure they go in the top 10. They might fall. And I think they're a big you know, factor in how this whole thing shakes out. But it's why I cannot wait for the draft tomorrow night. It's going to be fascinating, a lot of fun to watch. And chances are there is a team out there that 
is sold on both guys, more likely on Simmons than Tua. But again, the information much easier to contain this year. The teams may realize, and you know what? We'd already seen kind of the push in that direction. We saw fewer coaches at the scouting combine. A couple of the teams left their guys at home. Teams may realize yeah. it is a lot easier to keep the secrets in-house by not sending the minions out around the country. We could see a fundamental change in the way the pre-draft process works. I if think it helps so. teams keep their information quiet. All right, we have to take a break. When we return, DeAndre Hopkins has opened up about the strategy he employed to get out of Houston, and it was mission accomplished. We'll explain when PFT Live continues right after this. DeAndre Hopkins, now a member of the Arizona Cardinals, in large part because he wanted out of Houston. And he told Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated that he knew how to get out of Houston. All he had to do was ask for a little raise. By doing that, that would lead to the outcome that I got, which is the outcome that I wanted. And he wanted it in large part because he had no relationship with Coach Bill O'Brien. And Hopkins told Bishop, make sure you put that in there. There's not a lot to speak about as it relates to the relationship between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins. So one of the best receivers in the NFL. And look, if I'm the Cardinals, I look at that and say, hey, maybe we don't have to pay the guy. Maybe, maybe he really doesn't want $22 million a year. Maybe it was just a ruse to get a trade and we can go ahead and pay him under the terms of the current contract. I have a feeling that's not going to work for Steve Kime and company. But uh, Chris, far more effective than the George Costanza strategy to get out of the New York Yankees organization. Didn't have to drive around in the parking lot with the Super Bowl trophies that the Texans don't have or otherwise offend anyone. All he had to say is, I want to raise, and the Texans moved on from him. Well, yes. I mean, the Texans, a little bit in a tough spot financially. But, you know, I just, I, you know, again, I've been around DeAndre Hopkins. You, you know that I did a, a week with him or a day with him in the park last year in New York City. You know, it felt like I, a week I know, for him. Well, it yeah, probably did. You're exactly right. But, I mean, got a great way about him. You know, to me, like, that's inexcusable on, on Billy O'Brien's part. It really is. You know, and I, I really admire Billy O'Brien. I think he's a hell of a football coach. We could say what we want about the GM part of him and all that. All I know as a football coach, he kicks butt, and he's one of the better ones in football. But being a great head coach – Part of that is having relationships with the great players on your football team. And, you know, that's a dangerous line to dance with there when you're not having a relationship with one of the best guys on your football team. You know, it can just filter into bad vibes throughout your locker room. And that's what I don't understand by that. I just I'm shocked that a guy like Billy O'Brien, who's so smart and just in my experience, has such a good way with people how he could not have a relationship with DeAndre Hopkins here, who's not a bad guy by any stretch of the imagination, to me is, is just unimaginable. I'm just, I'm kind of shocked by that. There was a little bit of acrimony before Hopkins got his current deal when O'Brien was the head coach. There was kind of a holdout that he waited too long. He showed up and then left and that introduces a completely different formula that makes it harder for the player to make a holdout stick. So he showed up, he got paid. Remember, he was one of the players who was offended by the comment made by the late Bob McNair, the owner sure. and founder of the team, about the the inmates running the prison. And, and y y you know, I'm not defending Bill O'Brien here, but I can't help but wonder whether or not he was caught between maybe an ownership group 
that was no longer enamored with DeAndre Hopkins and Hopkins, who was alienated with the ownership group, and it just was a matter of time before it all fell apart anyway. Now, if you're O'Brien, I'd like to think at some level you recognize, hey, this guy is one of our core players. We have to find a way to make this work. But bottom line is Hopkins had no interest in making it work. He felt no relationship, and he got what he wanted. He moved on. Let's take a break because when we return, it is time to let you see, if you haven't seen them yet, the new Chargers uniforms. And oh, they baby. are they are Fresh. they are pretty nice. We'll talk about yes. that when PFT Live continues right after this. The sixth team to unveil new uniforms in the current offseason, the LA Chargers. And they dialed the clock back to 1973, Chris. That was the last time they had the numbers on the side of the helmet underneath the lightning bolt. We got powder blue on white pants, powder blue on gold, white on gold, white on white, and then not one but two color rush options. I, I guess I need to ask the league when the rules change that you could have that many alternate uniforms. I thought you had a base uniform home and away. You could play around with the color of the pants, but your jersey was limited to one home, one away, one alternate. That, to me, and my math is never very good, that looks like two alternate jerseys to me. The medium blue and that really dark blue, the old school blue. Remember when their base right. uniform had that dark sure. blue helmet? It's kind of bringing back that blue, that really dark midnight blue. I like it. I like all of them, and so did the folks on social media. 86%. We can't get 86% of the people to agree on anything. Do you like the new uniforms? 86%, oh. yes. I think they're awesome, and it should have been higher than 86 Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, these might be my favorite uh, new uniforms we've seen yet. Uh, I mean, I, again, I like the old-school simplicity, just with a little flair. I mean, that's really all it is. And, you know, to your point, Mike, with, like, the color rush uniforms and all that, if the NFL does have a rule for that, then they need to get rid of it. It's just stupid. I mean, well, why would you not want to sell more colors and uniforms and jerseys you know, it's not like they're going out with some crazy color here. It's with the confines of what their organizational history has been. But I really, Mike, I look at those and I'm a sucker for those all white ones. I love the all the same color look. I like the whatever the royal blue, you know, on the right. And then that even darker blue that, you know, Junior Seau's Chargers type color. I think they're really sharp, man. I mean, I would be excited to dress up in those every week. The Rams' new uniforms are still to come at some point before the draft, maybe even later today. They'll be team number seven. Chris, think about that. Man. Only five Ooh. teams changed coaches this year. Seven teams changed uniforms. And that and look, the, the, the it's Nike the Nikeification of the NFL. It's the Nikeification of the NFL. Uh, it oh, is. No. It is. We're going to change seven or eight uniforms every year. Don't buy any jerseys because that jersey is going to be obsolete within two years. We got to take a break. We'll be right back. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy-six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.